Hey, and thanks for joining us for Pact. P is for Peter. That is me. ACD is the lovely Miss Astronaut Cowboy Doctor, Master of Science here. Help us out by subscribing on YouTube, Spotify, or your favorite podcast service. Leave us comments. Also, leave glowing reviews on Audible and Apple Podcasts. But most importantly, tell your friends. Help us keep the lights on by becoming a patron at patreon.com slash Coffin. Your monthly support gets you into the Discord server, gets you exclusive content, and you see some content before everyone else. We stream 6 p.m. Eastern every Saturday. Thanks tons for tuning in. Are you drunk? Yes. <laughs> I have. When we got up this morning, you were like, let's do duoing. <laughs> and like, I got nothing correct on it. I, I also functioned really well in the morning. And I took a nap today. So last month on the 9th, I assume on one of the 4chan or adjacent sites, uh, a, a little a little post came up. I'm going to read it for you. I've been involved with the bread tube scene for a while now. I'm not a content creator, but I'm a video editor who helps out a bread tuber behind the scenes. I won't name who I work for as I don't want to implicate myself with this post. Even though I'm not a major member of the community, I've talked to many of the big bread tubers and DMs, and I've been a part of private bread tube Discord groups for years now. There has been a rift going behind the scenes for a long time now, but recently it's gotten particularly intense. In a week's time, screen cap this post, Peter Coffin is going to drop some serious evidence that will cancel both Natalie Wynn and Philosophy Tube hard. They might not even be able to rebuild their reputations afterwards. I won't say what it involves, and truthfully, I don't know the full extent of it. I haven't talked to Coffin in a while, and they're keeping their cards close to their chest from what I understand, since it might compromise the drop. But the theories on here don't even come close to what's actually going on. The rabbit hole goes very, very deep, my friends. Deeper than you can imagine. Like I said, a week's time, Sunday the 16th, Coffin is going to end Philosophy Tube and ContraPoint's careers. What were we doing on the 16th? I'm not sure. It was a weekend after Mother's Day. I might have been here. I think you were here. Maybe. I think we were probably hanging out. We made uh, mac and cheese. I'll bet. What got in your way? Like, what barriers were in place? Oh. How, how are we going to resolve them so you can... So, yeah. I can... so I can put forward the evidence. The plan. Yeah. Um... Well, first off, there has to be evidence. And then the other thing is that I have to be concerned with canceling people. That, that I mean, my priorities need to change. So you might be able to tell from this that there is a thriving drama slash gossip ecosystem involved in BreadTube. And that is something that happens not necessarily for real in like, Okay, let's say you're doing something worker oriented and progressing the uh, the interests of the working people. That's not what happens. <laughs> yeah, usually th this is not where somebody who prioritizes communistic goals in a stateless, classless society, or even before then, uh, just habitable working conditions. Usually, they're not really concerned. About that sort of thing. Yeah, they're not talking about whether or not Peter Coffin's no. going to ruin somebody's career. None of my patients or research participants that I work with 
um, have ever brought anything like that up as a presenting problem. It's usually more about material precarity and, and how we can make them um, not die from their health condition for which they get inadequate health care or cope with the fact that they are going to. It's much more dire than this. This is stupid. This is bad. Like, this is what people are concerned about on the Internet. I was like, Could, do you have guesses of who it is? And they were like, there's a 50-50% or 50-50 split of like, this is a real person that I do know who's making this up or that it's just like a complete, like random, just making up story. It, 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 yeah, it literally could be somebody who one day was like, you know what? I'm bored. A thriving political movement, which is achieving some level of progress for the working class, is not doing stuff like this. And BreadTube is also kind of one of the biggest faces of left-wing politics in the United States media. Doesn't that fucking suck? It does. Doesn't that just make you want to cuss? I mean, is it the only big one? Is it the biggest one? It's neither of those things. But it is an example of the type of thing that left-wing politics in U.S. media has become. This is a political fandom market. And because it does not serve the interests of the people who are interested in left-wing politics or socialism or communism or whatever thing that they believe they're going to get out of bread tube or X other political movement that you could, like the Jacobin political movement, the DSA, whatever, you could put any of them in there. Because it is not necessarily satisfying the people who are going to it, they are going elsewhere. And that, that is where we are. That's what we're going to talk about. And then in combination, this, what we've started out with is sort of an outcome by which this issue is really framed well um, within. Um, we want to start out with an example um, of kind of what this dynamic leads to in terms of political ideology and how that's presented mm -hmm. to audiences um, in bread tube or leftists, Twitch spaces, however you want to call it. Um, and then how that leads to this political market fandom leads to disillusionment. Um, we're also going to be covering in that same vein, a conservative read on bread tube and why it's going to disintegrate. And then we want to wrap it up and talk about how that explains through a materialist perspective where certain post-left identifying figures end up. And mm -hmm. then that and how where they end up justifies the ideology that these self-identifying leftist bread tubers are putting forward and how the whole thing is just an absolute counterproductive waste. It's a circular thing. Like I've repeatedly said it's skeptics, then SJWs, then bread tube, then Fox from space commune has said the same thing. Yep. Speaking of which I'll drop watch WTF is bread tube by uh, space commune Fox. Fantastic work with that frame in mind this video that started circulating where a person was talking about confusing economic leftism and social conservatism which 
I mean, it didn't get like big or anything. Just to be clear, like both of the videos we're talking about today aren't like massive videos or anything like viral or anything, but they are like perfect examples of the kinds of uh, reactions people are having to where people are going. Um, confusing economic leftism with social conservatism, I don't think is a positive. It's, I think it's a real danger and it'll fracture, you know, people along the lines of where their priorities are, right? If, if they, you know, whether they're more in tune to um, marginalized people's uh, issues or whether they're more attuned to economic, um, you know, I issues kind of with a little bit of like neglect for the, for, for marginalized groups, right? Uh, that's a choice that we shouldn't have to make, okay? And we don't want to get there. Um, that's why we're going to be doing a Nazbul Vortex segment. That's right, chat. It's going to be a regular thing now on my stream. I'm going to start talking about this more and more because I think it's a big deal. It's something that we want to get out in, ahead of. It's something that we don't want to be blinded, blindsided by the way that, you know, a lot of the left was um, by Trumpism when it popped up. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's something that uh, I need to be covering. Anyway, sorry, I totally derailed. The first thing I think that's really important to bring up is they say, this is a choice that we shouldn't have to make, which of course, because it is not a choice that makes any sense to even present. It is a false choice. These issues are not dichotomous. By responding in that way, we shouldn't have to make this choice. It's true in that they're saying we shouldn't have to make the choice between like focusing on economic and social issues, but that's conceding the idea that those are different things mm -hmm. that aren't related to each other because of the material distribution of things along social demographic lines and social inequities among marginalized groups, those things are, you can never ignore those things when you're using a leftist economic framework. Because, because it's the, part of it. <laughs> it's part of it. it. It is baked in. That's why marginalized groups exist. What that's does marginalized why, mean? That's why those people are marginalized because their social factors intersect with the economic base that compromises their well-being because of how the economic mode of production was used to justify slavery and that strong, enduring, persistent legacy of that in our country. You can't treat those things as discrete issues. If you have a list of specific positions that somebody should take, that's not what a communist wants. A communist, again... We're looking at uh, the world as a connected system. And in order to progress, we have to change the fundamentals of that system. We have to resolve the contradictions of that system. You cannot resolve racism without uh, resolving class society. Racism is ultimately simply an ideology meant to justify class society. For instance, when you go back to the time of slavery, racism was meant to justify the fact that you could own a human being and force them into labor for free. That is a class of person. That is the slave class. That's what we're talking about. Class society. If you have people who have different relationships with the means of production and resources, that is class society. And that is ultimately what you have to resolve. So imagine the world is water and um, capitalism and or class society is a pump, which is pumping oil into the water. You can take the pump away, but that and that oil will still remain. Like racism will still exist 
after capitalism. The thing is, you will no longer have a motor pumping oil into the clean water. The water will separate from the oil, it will dissipate, and will become so much easier to clean. That's a really good analogy. Did you make that up? I did, yes. Shit, yeah. It was in response to somebody, I'm so tired of hearing people say, like, racism will exist after capitalism. We have to address racism. It's like, that is not how you should look at this. It's all part of a thing that has to change. And you can kind of use a similar, um, usually less strong for other like identity based or like socially marginalized identities um, framework for understanding how those things are inextricably connected and baked into each other. The point being is that across these, you know, marginalized identities, that economic inequity is cyclically reproducing and interacting with the social marginalization to keep people marginalized. And to dichotomize um, marginalized people's issues and economic issues is to accept this framing that I've cited this paper repeatedly by um, John T. Jost and Flavio Vazedo um, about how neoliberalism falsely dichotomizes um, social and economic issues. And, and to accept that framework instead of rejecting the scenario outright, instead of saying like, no, uh, marginalized people's issues are economic issues. Economic issues are like this is all connected. It's all part of one thing. There is a, a class society that specifically relies on ideological underpinnings to maintain itself. All that being said, um, the streamer who was answering this question, she's conceding that these are two separate things, mm -hmm. um, not just, you know, oh, we shouldn't have to make this choice. We can do both. It's economic an economic leftist program is doing both inherently. It, it, there isn't a both. Right. And you also can't focus on, you know, explicitly like marginalized identities if you're not focusing on their economic interests. In fact, that's primarily what you should be focusing on, because there's very little that exists outside of that when you regress that out. So, well, again, we've talked about it so many times. Uh, the last episode, we talked about how like. Stopping racism within the confines of, of academia. academia. And then how you can't do a fuck all because you, you, you're you not addressing the, the profit motive that's inherent to academia. These things are inherently connected together and cannot be separated themselves. That lack of understanding, um, separating or making special um, the issues of marginalized groups from economic Actually, inequity. Yeah. yeah. As as something that comes off to even the everyday uncritical observer as pretty fucking stupid. And, and so that generates a demographic of people who have previously identified as leftists, who might have even been very active in these spaces prior, um, who become very disenchanted with this. Um and push back on it. Mm -hmm. And what this clip was talking about was this woman saying she's going to start talking about the Nazbul vortex. Mm -hmm. um, what she means by that is people who say they are promoting a communist economic program while also harboring socially conservative beliefs. Mm -hmm. um, and those people do exist. Yes. Um, however, they are not... Um, 
they're not created from people who are prioritizing an economic leftist program, because if somebody's actually doing that, there's no way that they are not attending to the needs of people who are socially marginalized and thus disproportionately impacted by economic inequities. To be clear, the type of person we are talking about right now is the type of person who would call someone a class reductionist. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Um, class reductionism it's not a thing that exists. Because if you're actually focusing on class, you would never be not attending to people of socially marginalized identities because those people are also economically marginalized. Well, exactly. And if you're not, that's not what we're focusing on. Class is haves and have-nots. It's the owning class versus the people who have to either sell their labor to the working class or don't have the ability to do so. And marginalized has to mean have-nots. Like, But what happens with this mode of operation among the online left, and I think it's reflective of the Western left in itself, Mm -hmm. is obviously politically ineffective. Um, We don't do anything. Um, These people with their online platforms, they don't do anything. And then they automatically revert to this mode of neoliberalism in which they're telling us that they're going to eat their kitchen tiles if you don't vote for Joe Biden. <laughs> and that's that's what their analysis falls to rather than, you know, talking about... Class, owning. Class, yeah, just talking about class. Like, e- even just talking about class in, in a meaningful those way. Those that own have the control over those that don't. It's that simple. And if, if you're marginalized, uh, truly marginalized, the likelihood of you being in the owning class, mm-hmm. it's zero. You're not in the owning class. You don't own. So <laughs> that's one outcome is nothing. Well, except producing a, a sanctimonious audience. Two is you create this group of disenchanted people who think that these people are dumb. I'm smart. Um, I used to be a leftist and have faith in the, in this mode of discussion in this mode of discourse in this mode of what we're planning on doing and this is clearly not working because these people can't um, acknowledge the relationship between socially marginalized identities and the economic base they might not say it in those words no but that's they they observe these contradictions and are like well this is stupid and then they think that it's an analysis to contradict these people and they call themselves the post left they might call themselves whatever um to the point where their own expressed views are kind of validating this idea that this streamer has because they start expressing socially conservative beliefs. They do. Because they're incentivized to contradict these people, even if they're saying things that are like perfectly and totally uncontroversial and something that we need to take care of. Well, the thing is, you have to have somewhere to put all of these people who are becoming skeptical of uh, this bread to left or this DSA left or this Jacobin left, you start seeing all these contradictions. People start getting becoming skeptical of it. They start becoming disillusioned, like you said, and those people have to go somewhere and either they go towards an actual radical program where they're doing things that are actually undermining uh, the way that the system works or whatever uh, that could happen or the market can create another demographic for which them to find new influencers who are telling them exactly what they need to hear in terms of contradicting this one group that they've become disillusioned with. And 
that is the market incentive to be the post left. <laughs> Honestly, and Peter and I were talking this about this in between. This Twitch streamer, it, like probably great gal, like really act- cares. cares. Clearly cares. It's not like a CIA fucking psyop. Well, right and, and like, you know, with, with some of these like larger Brad tubers, it's like, okay, really, you're starting to get really disconnected from the working class but, but this person is a very small there's a small streamer uh definitely just like wants to help people which to be clear is not leftism it's not communism to help people my mom no. wants to help people everyone wants to help people everyone has empathy like there are very minuscule number of people who are actually like i fucking hate everyone and i want to destroy everything yes there are definitely cia psyops in the left what I'm saying is that it this person I do not make the assumption about. Like, this is somebody who saw, like, probably some leftist say something that sounded conservative and was like, <gasps> and just didn't know what to do. Yeah. So th- that's where we land here with, with this group pushing back on this. Here's the thing about these criticisms that these people are getting disillusioned with the left are putting out. They're the same kinds of criticisms you might see. Uh, a conservative or an apolitical person have of the left. Someone who doesn't have an actual like material analysis like, oh, you say money's bad, but you make it? Curious. There's a video that came out a couple of weeks ago that I got sent and it was probably, I, it was sent to me by one of these post-left adjacent accounts that said, This is a good criticism of BreadTube. And I watched it, and I was like, I don't really think it's a good criticism of BreadTube. It is a presentation of definite contradictions that exist in BreadTube, but a good criticism. I don't know. It it starts off kind of describing, setting the scene that preceded BreadTube. It gives us a little bit of a historical rundown of the skeptic movement, the uh, kind of reactionaries, the SJWs, and out of that arose BreadTube. And it's stuff that you've probably heard me say before, <laughs> to be frank. The, the video does, I think, kind of accurately set that scene and adequately characterizes BreadTube and lays the land of that to say that the same thing is sort of going to happen to red tube that happened to the alt-right um that the happened skeptics, to the, the skeptics anti-sjw people SJWs. they're going to disintegrate um the way that it talks about the alt-right disintegrating is with donald trump winning in 2016 mm-hmm. because they were no longer antagonistic to, to they were no longer the outsiders right. the underdogs at least the figurehead we all know that you know republicans and democrats they're the the two wings of capital they yeah. have the same they're just aesthetically different but they're no longer um they weren't able to don the rebellious yeah aesthetic the revolution yeah the idea that they were somehow against the the hegemonic forces you can't do that when your guy is literally the president of the United States. Exactly. So when all the bread tubers were like, I'll eat my kitchen tiles if you don't vote for Biden and Biden wins. They fucked themselves in the ass. <laughs> Not that it could have been prevented, but 
they just aligned themselves so strictly with the Democratic Party. Yeah. And not not even in a way that was like subtle or like they're trying to like inject this in and like a, a really like well, that's where all the class careful way came from they just 100 percent on on its face just aligned with the democratic party well and that's where you have the people who are saying like oh these this economic leftism it's a different thing it's the bernie thing it's th those people ignore the plight of the marginalized person. And leading up to this point, even since Trump's election, when it like corporations really started to push back because they realized that that was marketable to do and to like join on to these sort of woker initiatives, these self-described leftists or bread tubers became automatically aligned with corporate interests. Mm -hmm. um, and with the party in power. I, I mean, now that that's our entire government in the United States is controlled by Democrats. And so now, th now that they've done that, and now that that is what the social political zeitgeist is, that that's what our U.S. government is right now. And we're, we have the, the blue trifecta. The, the blue triad we have. Yeah. <laughs> and now that we have that... And nothing's really happening. Nothing's getting done. Everything is exactly the fucking same. Even Noam Chomsky, who said, well, we have to vote for Joe Biden if we don't want to be six feet under. Even Noam Chomsky, who said that, has come out with interviews since Joe Biden's inauguration that his foreign policy is exactly the same mm -hmm. as Donald Trump's. Yep. Um, and, and it's not just that it, it's it's AOC being against the concentration camps and clapping on her little TikToks and defending those things and how yeah. it's different because it's Joe Biden talking about how Joe Biden has exceeded our expectations. And and so now that, you know, BreadTube has already so clearly aligned well, with with them ideo ideologically and has unambiguously put their support by them or behind them. Um, they don't really have the revolutionary aesthetic that no. they had before, and they no, can't and get can't. that back. It's not possible, right? Because they were instrumental in squashing any dissent or criticism of Joe Biden in that area of YouTube. Uh, whenever anybody talked about, you know, any problem that there was with uh, Joe Biden, like if you brought up Tara Reid, for instance, it was the bread tube fandom that would come and shit on you. And they were there to say class reductionist every single time anybody talked about anything. When Sean tried to distance himself from Biden, he got screamed at by fucking Lindsay Ellis. Oh my God. He was now um, against yeah. cancel culture. Yeah, who got canceled hard and decided, oh wait, I'm going to go the other direction. And it's just like... Oh, Lindsay, you dumb bitch. Yeah, yes. So basically this conservative person... Um, comes to an effective analysis where, you know, BreadTube is going to disintegrate because they're no longer subversive. Um, it is kind of what he comes to. Which is not uh, wrong at that's all. That's not wrong at all. But as the video goes on, it becomes contextualized in this, oh, BreadTube is the ultimate grift because these people make money. Yeah. And communists hate money. And here, let's read an actual couple of quotes about that. This says, Philosophy Tube is raking in shit tons of money 
online keeping our income private, while a common lefty line of thought is that the expectation that incomes are kept private is one way that bosses keep workers in line, which, by the way, the expectation that bosses have with their workers that they keep their salaries private is completely different than somebody choosing to keep their income private. And this is talking about the expectation that the employees keep each other's incomes private, which is not even similar. Um, all while encouraging people way less well off than her to go on rent strikes and other stuff like this, which I don't see that in bread tube, uh, encouraging people no. to go on rent strikes. No, I, I've heard, I've never seen that before. The, the closest thing I've seen to that, and this, this is from like more good hearted anarchists, I think, um, who like call for general strikes a lot by just saying like, we need a general strike. Which That's by the way, at most is going to create maybe a few people in a few pockets of the world to it, do a general strike, which is not a general strike. It it's a couple cancels, of people not going to work. It cancels out, though, because that person is married to a Marxist Leninist. <laughs> so whatever. So, I mean, this goes on and then it uses Vosh. Let's say that there are 10 people. They're gathered on the beach. And unfortunately today, there is a lost soul, okay? He's 100 meters out. This guy is fucked. And none of the people on the beach, they're not good enough swimmers to go get him. Now let's say another guy walks by, okay? This guy is called, call him Charles Marx, okay? This guy is a fucking state champion swimmer. He walks by and he sees that kid out there. Do you think that that guy, with his additional means, with all that he has, do you think that it would be just as morally neutral for him to stand by and watch that person drown as the other 10 less capable people on that beach? I Otherwise, don't think these are analogous. Why is that disanalogous? Because if that they decided not to do that thing, if they decided to abstain, it would cost a person their life. Whereas in the case of a lefty opening a business, their decision to open it would not add any negative utility to the world. If you have the means to act in harmony with your principles, then for you to do less. I went to a Jesuit high school and what part of what we taught, I guess, was like that you should live your principles. Yeah, while reading the debate clips, I have in my notes like a bunch of times, shit, I don't care either. First of all, in that example with Vosh saying that like a leftist opening a business does not have a negative net effect on the world because they're just creating yet another place where your labor is exploited. Um, their individual decision making doesn't change the economic mode of which is capitalism. And that's true for you as a leftist to not own a business does not end capitalism. Yeah. So <laughs> and the uh, content creator is saying that this is hypocritical when he characterizes all those clips. He's talking about how Vosh is saying that it's OK that Vosh makes all the money and it's morally neutral that philosophy tube hides their income. And like this is the problem with leftism is that these people make money. They're grifters. And they are grifters, but it's not because they make money. It's because their content is purely substantiated by whatever neoliberal market dynamic incentivizes exactly. them to write about. Exactly. And that's not the same as making money. No. And so that's why BreadTube is a grift is because they're aligning with power while co-opting a revolutionary aesthetic and making people feel good about it too. Feel fucking smart, great, morally righteous, etc. I want to read the exact quote. This this video says, "Breadtube is just a grift. Like if these people actually believed in communal, you know, libertarian socialist societies, 
They would stop pocketing tens and thousands of dollars a month and actually start doing something, but they haven't. They decry money and then pocket thousands of dollars a month doing nothing for the global communist revolution. Here's the major contradiction I see here. In this person's mind, not doing anything for the global communist revolution and pocketing money, they are one thing. They are not two things. And this is a place where you actually should dichotomize. Yeah. Because they are not the same thing. You need money to exist in the world. And ideally, if you create content that people like, you should actually retain some value from that labor. That yeah. is not something communists are actually against. The problem actually is that all of these companies are taking a slice of that. Slice of that. They're, you are taking a sliver yeah, of it. They are exactly. taking all of it. You should be retaining all of the value from what you create and put out into the world that people consider useful. Now, here's the issue. It is not that they are making money. It is that they are not doing anything to help the global communist revolution. It's the latter thing. You separate the money element from it entirely. You're allowed to live in society while doing that. In fact, I do it all the fucking time. Yeah, you can't not. Like, if you're going to put hours and hours and hours into creating content that is intended to disseminate an actual uh, critique of the power structure as it exists, which, by the way, Philosophy Tube, Thought Slime, and Vosh don't fucking do. They do make content, but they don't delineate a materialist critique of the power structure, and that's the problem. Um, but if you are going to do that, you do deserve to retain value from that. Hell, if you make content that is purely entertainment and nothing else, you deserve to retain value from that. And if people sit here and say you are not allowed to make money that is because they are fetishizing communism as a hatred of money. And it is not that. It is indeed something that a communist wants to abolish, but not because it's money. Communists don't want to destroy wealth. They want everyone to have wealth. We want everyone to be able to engage in labor as self-actualization. anti-wealth. It's anti-inequity. Anti exactly. This is a conservative analysis diagnosing the contradictions and then completely um, going into the wildest, yeah. stupidest conclusion. Well, and here's the thing. It comes from the lack of material analysis. Mm -hmm. You don't know why. You just notice that there's a contradiction. You notice that these bread tubers are getting rich. Why? Same problem present. And these post-left individuals who are identifying contradictions and then ultimately meandering through some communist analysis, maybe. And then for some reason, even with that information, arriving at the completely incorrect. Well, the problem is, of course, trans people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thereby validating what this woman on Twitch is talking about and, and like this idea of the Nazbol vortex and, and that like the possibility that people with a genuine leftist economic analysis could neglect the issues of our most socially marginalized. If you have, again, an, an actual economic analysis, you can never do that. It wouldn't be possible. By definition, you would be deviating from that mm -hmm. communistic framework. And so that what that indicates is that these people never had that in a way that was meaningful. Correct. Which means that BreadTube failed at yet another thing. Because by any account, um, BreadTube did not instill the idea that you need to analyze things from class. 
by the material analysis of haves and have-nots. It's, it's the simplest fucking thing, too. It's so, so easy to understand that, like, you're criticizing haves and have-nots. Like, why is that so fucking hard for people to get? They've always been responding to market dynamics. And it doesn't matter whether we're talking about skeptics. It doesn't matter whether we're talking about SJWs or BreadTube or DSA or Jacobin or any of that. It doesn't fucking matter. Not categorically. The actual subject is the same thing. These are all the same, even though you might think of them all as different political alignments. This is all about fandom. People get invested in what the personalities say and then they see contradictions in what they say, what they do, and what happens in real life. Because of that, they need someone else to like. And the market necessitates um, that we have influencers and that we have lifestyle ecosystems, that we have consumption tracks, which are just constantly sopping up new people. The market incentive is always there to contradict a popular group or popular influencer, and present yourself as the anti-that. Right. And it's basic in-group, out-group dynamics. Yes. Yeah. And, and that just completely exactly. cycles over and over and over and over and over and over again in the media. I don't know where we fit into that. Um, but we do. Um, the way we fit into it, I believe, is that we are critical of this dynamic in a manner that ultimately, like, makes it seem as though we align with whatever the newest thing is because it's critical of the previous thing. But the thing is, the criticism is never about that group. It's always about the dynamic. Now, unfortunately, uh, that group often has characteristics that aren't good, like BreadTube, for instance, is basically is liberal as hell. PostLeft, for instance, it has weird social conservatism influence. So this is the really important thing to understand here. One, no, simply having a class analysis does not send you down a path to becoming a social conservative. That's absolutely batshit insane, actually. Um, two, the thing that actually does that is not having a material analysis and getting involved in politics on a fandom basis, on a fan creator, fan influencer, fan personality relationship to that political um, system or ideals or ideas or whatever you want to call it. And that's the problem with BreadTube. It's not that they make money. The problem is that they make money basically shilling for the Democrats. That's the problem. Yes. <laughs> That And that's the grift. That's the uh, grift. Anything that is presenting that dichotomy on either side of the coin, you, you have to push back. Social issues are economic issues and economic issues are social issues and social are economic and economic are social at a perpetuum. You cannot stop no. acknowledging that unbreakable connection. Not even breakable. It's not like they're two things they're that not, are like yeah, exactly. put together. They're, they're like, one thing. They're like one thing. <laughs> Anyways, the ultimate point here is that all of these market demographics which arise to sweep up the discontents uh, of the previous market demographic um, do the following things. They accept the economic and social dichotomy and 
um, they disincentivize uh, any kind of class analysis. Yeah, and, and and they react to it in a way that is ideological rather than materialist. People get invested emotionally in various outcomes and personalities. And in that, we get an ecosystem that uh, appears to actually be fairly competitive, but it's actually a bunch of different monopolies. Yeah, <laughs> yes. And, and these folks end up with fans. They end up with followers. And... Everybody thinks that that's leftism. And it's not communism. It's not a communist movement. It's not even really a movement. And that is why it's worth pointing all this stuff out. Because, wow, do we need to fucking move on from that shit? I am not saying we need to not consume content. I'm not saying we need to not enjoy ourselves even. Um, but we we need a materialist analysis. And we need to put two and two together more often. Yeah, it, and I I was about to say I don't know why it's so difficult to do this, but I absolutely do. This is how it's presented to us. Yeah. That this is the overarching narrative of, of neoliberalism. It's, it's the justifying ideology of capitalism. So when you dichotomize social and economic issues, it prevents us from doing anything. But neoliberalism incentivizes us to see it this way. It, mm -hmm. incentives, it incentivizes markets to operate under those assumptions. And then by proxy, us as individuals are inclined to do the same unless we're actively challenging power and the narratives that are presented through it. Take that. That's all for today. Thanks again for watching. This is Pact. I'm Peter. This is Miss Astronaut Cowboy Doctor. To help us out, Click like, follow, subscribe, whatever. Leave us five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Audible. To support us, become a patron at patreon.com slash Thanks so much, guys. We'll see you later.